Welcome back. Welcome back, friends, family, those of you who are watching, those of you who are listening, however you're absorbing and digesting the information today. This is Jeff Lambert's back again uh, with our Christian Business Podcast. And uh, I've got a very, very special guest on here today. His name is Jacob Jackson. He and I have been connected through socials for quite a while. Uh, we're in the same kind of circle here in West Michigan. Uh, we've never personally actually met outside of this before, which means we haven't actually ever shaken hands, shook hands, whatever the proper term is, especially with COVID. But the beauty of it is we're able to use Zoom and technology to, if we're 10 miles away or 10,000 miles away in a different country, we're still able to make this work for you. Jacob has been gracious enough. He's going to share some information with us today. He's going to tell us a little bit about his journey in faith and business and how it's led him to the things that he's done, why he's walked away from what he's walked away from and where he's at right now. Um, And like I always say, I can always give a glowing, amazing review that makes it sound like I've known Jacob since we were both in diapers and I can tell his whole history. But what I find is most people want to hear it directly from the source. So Jacob, I appreciate you being on today. Thank you so much. And if you want to go ahead and just tell us a little bit about your your history, a little bit about some of the things that you've done, and then we can kind of dive in and and allow people to get to know you a little bit better. Sure, sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, So yeah, I guess I'll just start with a little background of uh, just how I came came to faith. So um, my my undergrad work, so I wasn't raised in the church, didn't go to Christian school, anything like that. It wasn't until uh, later on, so my undergrad work was in chemistry, and um, we started studying like an advanced biochemistry, how how uh, children are made. So, you know, like you get the, in middle school or whatever, you know, it's like sperm and egg. Well, when you get further on in chemistry, they actually show you the chemical reactions that are taking place. And when I saw those, and I, I like numbers a lot and kind of figuring out uh, how things work and probability and things of that nature. And you run some of those numbers, you start thinking, man, this is, it's amazing that it even happened once. Like that's a miracle, statistically speaking, but that people could even have children again. It's, it's unbelievable um, for all those chemical reactions to take place over and over and over again. So for me, that started uh, moving me from like an atheist to an agnostic. Now I didn't believe in, in Christ or uh, any God, I would say at that point, it was more of like a um, universalistic, you know, there's got to be something, but I'm not sure what it is. This was college or this was high school? Yeah, that was in college. Okay. And so I moved over after I graduated, I moved out uh, to the East Coast and started working at, um, I managed an outdoor sports store and it, it was a great time. And there's a lot of people out there that gave me lots of books and information to read. So, you know, some of the big ones, um, and even philosophies like Hinduism, Confucianism, um, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism. Anyways, long story short, kind of sifted through all of that stuff, came back to, to Grand Rapids. There was a guy that I was working with, and he started um, asking me questions about, about the Bible. And I, I mean, I didn't know anything, and, and I would come to him because I was really searching at that point and ask him questions, and he would do the best that he could to answer them. And then he just encouraged me to start attending church and reading the Bible. And, you know, we would have those discussions at work. So I said, you know, that's fine. I'll do that. And we did. Um, it was at that point. Now there's a ton of research that I did and, and all of this stuff that I came to the point that Jesus definitely was um, the only one and true God. And it's a, it's another longer story, but eventually, you know, I went to this Bible school out West and came back to and and through that time there 
um, you know, believe that the Lord had forgiven me of all my sins. Um, and at that point moved back to Grand Rapids. And from there, that's kind of where, you know, I was just praying about what do I do from this point? Um, where do I go from here? And the Lord opened up an opportunity. Uh, I was doing industrial wastewater engineering for the auto industry and that was going fantastic. Then 2008 rolled around and hundred percent of, we were hundred percent invested in the auto industry. So, sure. but, so just like the auto industry tank, so did my job. Um, and you know, it was interesting because at that time I was praying, you know, Lord, I'm going out on these assignments. You're working like 16 hour days and they send you out to 18 hour days. And uh, I thought, you know, I need some more time with you. And so he opened the door by, by cutting off my job. And what it did was hmm. um, I went back to school, got a couple uh, more credits under my belt and then applied to medical school. And I got into medical school and I was gonna go and thankfully my dad was smart enough because I wanna do medical missions. He said, hey, you should go see if this is what you wanna do because it's a lot of time, a lot of commitment. And I said, yeah, that's a good idea. So I waited six months, but I moved in that time over to Uganda and lived with kids that had HIV and AIDS um, for that period. Realized the medical field is not for me, uh, but I was very interested in the organizational piece and, and helping people out there. And so came back to Grand Rapids and got involved here, started to pursue a master's degree. Um, and then there's an opportunity as well that opened up. Um, so I ended up buying, I was doing, working with a ministry on the west side of Grand Rapids and we, my uh, brother and I ended up buying a house over there. And we didn't really know what we we're gonna do with it, but slowly but surely there's a lot of guys, young guys in different situations, whether they're you know, just need a place to stay. They're living on the street, coming out of jail. Uh, wh whatever, the, whatever the life situation, we said, hey, you can come stay with us. Now, they didn't need to be a Christian or anything like that. They could just come and live with us. Um, we try to get them on their feet for several months. Not all the situations were like that, but some of them were. And, uh, and then, you know, there's opportunities to witness in the midst of that. Um, through that, there's a local church, Calvary Church, uh, 96 in the Beltline, one of their elders there started and one of the pastors started connecting me like when they needed housing for these people um for some young guys they would connect with me no these were the guys working with the michigan mission and you know, they're the ministry in grand rapids this is all tied together this isn't with uganda yet this is different okay is after, yeah after uganda i'm back okay. in grand rapids and, okay. and we're uh, living on the west side of grand rapids okay yeah. so i have this house and um through the grapevine, you know, met some elders and pastors and whatnot, and they started connecting me with some different guys that needed places to stay. They'd bring them over to, our, to my house, and uh, very long story short, I was going to go work with St. Mary's in their compliance division. Okay. Um, that was a very short stint because what happened is I said, Lord, if you want me to move into vocational ministry, you know, make it known, and, and Calvary actually called me up, and I didn't apply for anything. They interviewed me uh, and I ended up working for them. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. That was a, just a very interesting time and a big blessing and ended up becoming a pastor at Calvary Church. I oversaw the men's ministry and, and the small groups, adult Sunday classes, and, um, and the new members class for a period of time. And then that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a huge, huge demographic what a, what a journey what a journey man so take us back to the the moment and if i heard you correctly 
the loss of your job dealing with in the auto industry, that was the turning point for you to go. I mean, you went obviously atheist, agnostic. That was the turning point to say, you know, what, what do you have for me, Christ? Or was that something that was already kind of moving forward in your life? You're, you're starting to question what you thought you knew. Yeah, it was, it was probably before that. So I had, um, there, when I, this manager that I had, when I had moved back to Grand Rapids from Boston, mm -hmm. we started talking. And, and when I went to church, there was a uh, young, there's a guy that I met, a young man that we'd gone to high school with, that I'd gone to high school with, and he'd gone to this Bible school, Ecola Bible School in Cannon Beach, Oregon. Okay. And so at this time, I was starting to pursue Christ and believe that he was the one true and only God. And it was through my time at, at that Bible school and just, you, you don't study anything but the Bible. You just bring a pen, paper, and the Bible. There's no extra textbooks. So for somebody that had never really read the scriptures, to just be fully immersed in it. And every single day, you're just, you know, reading through the Bible on your own. You're contemplating scriptures with other people. Uh, you got a couple hours a day of classes, but you're just inundated with the scriptures. And for somebody that's never done that, and you just have put that time aside, there was a point. Um, so your question was about coming to Christ. The point was, I remember it specifically. I can't remember date or time, but there was a time where I got up very early in the morning and there's a little bit of snow on the ground out in Oregon at this Bible school. And I'd gone into the chapel by myself. I was just on the ground, laying on the ground reading. I had prayed about, I, I kept praying to the Lord about some specific sins over and over and over again, every day. It's like, please forgive me in this prayer. Just didn't think he did it. I had read through Ephesians chapter one, verses one through 14. Mm. And it talks heavily about, it's not explicitly about sin, but it talks heavily about, um, I think it's the best place in the entire Bible where you see Father, Son, Holy Spirit in, in conjunction about create how they all work together how they work in creation together uh, how they build off one another and for whatever reason the lord used that scripture I, I in that moment after i read that even though i'd read it before it's like a light switch and it, it was like the lord spoke to me and said hey you can stop praying and ask for wow. asking for forgiveness every day for this like you're forgiven wow. and i think in that moment is when i actually believed um and from there that's when the lord kind of you know i was like what do you want me to do here so when I moved back to um, Grand Rapids, then it's, you know, took that job and I thought, okay, you want me in this job? Great. Um, what else do you want out of me? And so, um, yeah, that's kind of how that came about. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a heck of a story, man. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> like just a, just completely solo there by yourself. And that moment happens where that that's, as a moment you will never forget. Yeah. Like, and, sure. and that's all. Thank you for sharing. I really, really appreciate sharing that. Um, I want to kind of dive back into, I uh, want to talk a little bit about your experience in Uganda and how that kind of affected you and how you, you know, your dad said, Hey, take some time, find out if this is something you really want to do. You go to Uganda, maybe the timeline's not exactly accurate what I'm saying, but, but uh, tell us about Uganda and that experience a little bit and, and dealing with the kids with AIDS and poverty and all that other stuff. Yeah, so it was a completely unique experience. And I thought there's going to be tons of people at this thing, um, but there wasn't. So they just basically, when I got there, led me to this um, house with all these boys and said, well, here you go. And they separated the boys and the girls. Um, the girls and the babies lived down, down the road from us. And I, 
I really didn't know what I was doing. I, to be honest, I was felt very overwhelmed. Um, just what am I going to do with these kids? I'm not, you know, I, I was young myself. And, and yeah, you're, you're dealing with uh, extreme poverty. You can't go out at night. You know, we, thankfully we had a, a walled in where we were anyways, you got a walled in area with barbed wire or razor wire around it. And, um, wow. You know, yeah. So it's, it, it was just a different, it was a little bit of a change. You don't have the freedom necessarily that you'd, you, you would hear, but there's all these young guys. And what was interesting was a lot of them can, the majority of them can read English. And because you don't have access to the internet readily at this time anyways, and we didn't have um, television and they don't have, you know, we don't have phones and stuff. They were readers. And so what was interesting was that I would come and meet with these young guys, some of the ones that were like 12 to 16 years old, and they knew the Bible quite well. And we would have these in-depth discussions and they would ask questions that I've never thought about before. So my, for my personal growth, it was awesome because I thought, and he, there's, here's these young guys. And when you take away some of those things that are distractions in life, now they can be good, um, but they can be big distractions. And you focus on, you know, God's word, you can retain it. And there's all these questions. So it was just a huge, huge blessing um, for me. There were times, for example, where I'm like, what am I doing here? Am I, is, am I getting through to anybody? Is, is the Lord actually using me? And I remember there's a young guy named Eddie. I remember him specifically because the kid could dance like no other. Um, just phenomenal, phenomenal. That's dance. awesome. Yeah, he's like little steady Eddie, we call him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but he was very social and he'd talk to the neighbors and stuff. Well, we lived next door to Muslims. And uh, one day, Eddie comes up to me and he says, hey, can I, um, can I bring my friends to church with us? I thought, oh, they're Muslims. I don't know if their parents would want to go. I'm like, why, why would they want to come with us anyways? And he goes, well, you know, at night. So every night I would read them Bible stories and tell them Bible stories. He goes, well, every night that you tell us these Bible stories, I go, because he couldn't read yet. He goes, I would go and tell them the stories every day. And so we'd sit and I would, he would literally just tell them the same scripture that I wow. told them the previous thing. So after doing this for a number of months, they wanted to come to church and, and, and see what it was about. And I thought, man, this is like, this is just wild. You know, I didn't think anything was happening, you know, what's going on. But here, like, just just being able to even share some scripture with somebody, you don't know what they're going to do with it. You don't know the seeds that you're planting or the direction that the Lord's going to take that or use that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was very foundational to be like, hey, even if you don't think you're doing anything, even if it's something small, you don't have to have some crazy wise words. You can just literally open up the scriptures and read something to somebody. And you don't know what the Lord's going to do with it from them. If you yeah. believe that the Lord, uh, when he wrote the scriptures, it's the inspired word of God. Yeah, you, you have no idea. And it's just that impact on one person, impact on, on at, at, and Steady Eddie, who knows, you know, his, his neighbors who are Muslims, who knows that in the time since then, what that, what kind of impact you've had there, you know, or reach beyond there. And it sounds like the Lord was using you for many things. You were not only teaching them, but he was also allowing you the space and the, the minimal distractions to, to learn more. You're, you're committed. You don't have the internet. You don't have your phone. You don't have 42 other things constantly in your face to say like you, you read, this is what you have. And they were readers and they were teaching you as well as you were teaching them. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. 
That, that's incredible. It's incredible. I want to go back to who, um, when you came back to the States, I believe this was after Uganda, right? You had uh, started asking this guy, he had asked you about scripture and then you ended up, did I hear you right? You kind of flipped the questions back on him before you ended up going to college. Maybe my timing's not right, but I want to know more about this fascinating individual who helped guide you in this direction. Yeah, for sure. So that was actually before Uganda. This, okay. is, this is the guy that probably, so he just, the place that I was working at, he was a manager there. And when I came there, I was earnestly seeking and searching. And um, he brought it up to that one day. He goes, hey, so what, what, what do you believe? What's your, you know, you believe any of the stuff that you hear about uh, Jesus or anything else? And it was something very simple, you know. And he just, he just randomly, you had, you had made it known that you said, hey, I'm, I'm curious. I'm open to learning. And he's like, what do you know? Or was it just a yeah. random, you guys were working together one day and he just. He made, he was intentional about it to me. And because I had never said anything to him about it, but because he was intentional and I actually was searching, it opened me up. I was like, yeah, I got, I got lots of questions for you. I am actually looking. I do believe there's something, but I'm having trouble understanding what that is. And it was awesome because literally he, this is the other thing. He took the time. So he said, well, what questions do you have about the Bible or about Jesus? And I said, well, you know, I had some and I answered them. And he goes, you know, um, you're probably going to have a lot more. So why don't you, you know, if you've never actually read the Bible, why don't you start in Matthew and you read a couple chapters a week. And when you're done reading it, we'll, we'll talk about it and write down the questions you have about what you're reading. And for somebody that never had read the Bible before, um, you know, as I read, I, uh, went and had him, you know, come back and give him my questions. And if he didn't know the answers, he was very honest about it. And he said, let me go home, talk to my wife. I'll get back to you. And he did. And so we bonded a ton and he was very diligent in trying to answer any questions that came up. And that's when he started encouraging me like, Hey, go to, you know, at that point, as it grew, you should really, you know, if you're going to knock the church, you should actually go try it. Go, go to church. Now, when I was young, you know, I'd gone once or twice with different friends or whatever, but it never, you know, took or never, never um, ended up doing anything. But this I was steady with. And that's where, you know, um, just that steadiness of being willing, not overpowering, but just a steadiness of I'll answer questions for you. You know, what do you believe in? Why do you believe that? You know, because when you are willing to listen to people, you know, I, my worldly beliefs up until I was 26 years old, there's a lot of worldly beliefs in there. You know, it's kind of the opposite of what the scriptures teach. And then he would ask me on those, well, what do you believe about this or that? And why do you believe in that? You know, where do you, where does this stuff come from? Um, so it's, it's just those, you know, asking the questions about what people believe and why they believe it. Sometimes you don't ever think about it. It's just, who knows where you pick it up at. That, that's awesome. That, that's awesome. And, and there's a, a time, sorry to kind of jump in here, but somebody actually, I've had several people in the last probably two months as I'm going, you know, we all we're humans. We have struggles, you know, regardless of how strong our faith is. Um, I've had a, a handful of you said, just, just listen, you know, I've had a, a handful of people look at me and say, you know, you, there's so much time that, and you got a taste of that before we recorded, you know, I can talk. <laughs> like you're going so fast and you're, you're trying to do so much and you don't give, you don't shut up long enough to listen to what God is saying to you. And I went, what? 
are you serious? That's all it takes. And I'm like, okay, now I need to figure out how I can like slow down, still accomplish what I feel I need to, but actually give myself space to do that. That's, that's important that you said that nobody said that on the show yet. I mean, that's an impactful thing. Like just listen, listen to other people because they're going to speak into you and just listen to what, what, what God puts into your, in your mind, you know, what, you open the Bible, if you just randomly open it to a page, you know, something's going to pop out and jump out at you that I have a good friend and a mentor. Um, I forget the three questions. He was like, choose a verse, you know, what is it, uh, what speaks to you? What does it mean to you? And how can you apply it to your daily life? Kind of a thing. The three questions you ask every time you open, you open and read scripture. Like those are the, th- I don't know if they're exactly the three he's actually going to be on in like a week. So I'm sure we'll go over that with that. So keep an eye out for that one. That's, that's awesome. What a journey on that. Um, I want to talk about, so this guy was obviously, whether you name drop or not, is a level of comfort between the two of you. It sounds like he was a pretty major important influence to you. And one question I always like to ask is, who are your top three influences that helped you in your life? I, I'm, I'm going to guess him. You mentioned dad already about, you know, is this really what you want to do? So maybe he's one of those, or maybe you got a couple others, maybe you got four or five. Who are those people? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, coming back from, uh, you coming back from the Bible school, I had been praying, you know, the scriptures talk a lot about discipleship and I really wanted, you know, you hear about Paul and Timothy, like, you know, and I wanted that kind of relationship and I wanted to, uh, be disciples. And I prayed and the Lord opened up a door for, um, there's a gentleman called, uh, Mr. Dillinger, Kurt Dillinger. He's the president of Life International downtown Grand Rapids. So a massive international uh, organization. And we connected. And that was just, that was a huge springboard. And it was interesting because I said, you know, I want you to disciple me. And he said, yeah. Um, well, let me actually tell you this story. It's kind of funny. Yeah, please. I, so I knew he needed firewood. Okay. I heard through the grapevine he needed firewood. So I got a hold of him. At, I called the business and said, Hey, I can get you firewood. I'll, get you <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cut it myself and everything. It, it won't be fully seasoned, but I'll get it. He's like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, just deliver it to me. You know, once you get it. So I went out, you know, it's not seasoned or anything, but I would cut stuff down and, and load it up on my truck and split it all and brought it to him. And he goes, okay, what do I owe you? And, and I said, you know, I actually, it took me X amount of hours to, to do all this stuff. So I'm not interested in money, but I would like your time. And I'd love for you to, to disciple me. And he said, great. You know, okay, let meet me at my office at this time. And when I got there, he asked me, he goes, I, and I didn't know, like I'm a brand new Christian, right? So I just assumed there's like some program or something. Like you just go there and everybody knows how to do it. Uh, it doesn't actually work like that. Um, and I found out and uh, he goes, so, so what do you want? What do you expect from this relationship? What does discipleship mean to you? I just blank stare. I I thought, I don't even know. Uh, I said, maybe teach me how to pray. Uh, I guess help me with the, you know, reading the scriptures. What does that look like for you? And, and so he did. So he, it was awesome because he taught me how to pray like for your business, pray for your family, pray for your wife and kids. He brought me to his house so that I could see how he prays around the dinner table. Um, he brought me to prayer gatherings. And this isn't a guy that just like sits down. I've seen him like just prostrate, laying down before the Lord, just praying. And that's how he would start his day. So we'd meet early in the morning and he'd say, all right, let's get going. Bam, let's start praying. And we would just pray. 
um, we would read the scriptures together, but that he was like, you can read the scriptures on your own. When you have questions, let's talk about them. Other, but, but try to search out the truth yourself because that you, to lead, you need to be able to provide answers and back it up scripturally, not just stuff you make up in your head, but what does the scripture say about that? And so he's very, uh, he impressed that on me. And even in the context of, of any business that you have, you know, whether it's a for-profit, non-profit, secular, or I guess trying to use the word sacred, prayer. You know, how are you invested in prayer with what you're doing? How are you praying for the people that are in your business? You know, not just you, but the people that are around you. Um, so that was a huge, huge impact on my life. And, and it wasn't just for a couple hours. We're talking years that he did it. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, we're still, we're still connected and, um, and I moved around a bit since then, so it's not as frequent, but it was a huge, huge blessing. Um, and we still will connect. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, obviously it sounds like Kurt was, is it Kurt or Kirk? Kurt. Kurt. It's like another important person too. Anyone else on that list you want to add to um, as far as yeah. influences go? Yeah, there was a, another big guy. Um, his name is Bruce Cheadle and he was a, he is a phenomenal businessman as well, but also an incredibly godly man. And I met him. So I had heard about like this guy's faith at a church that I was attending in Grand Rapids. And I also heard he was a businessman, but anyways, uh, same deal. I met up with him and I said, Hey, you know, I'd like to just learn from you a little bit. Um, I just heard you're a godly guy. Like, tell me about, I'd like to hear about that or, or learn more. Like, how can I be more of a godly man? I said, yeah, great. You know, like, let's meet up at uh, Friday. And uh, I think it was like 4.30 in the morning. You wanted to meet up with me. Wow. Yeah, you know, like, all right, I guess let's do this. So I always brought my coffee expecting to like have this conversation with him just talk about life. And he goes, oh, I'm glad you made it. And this guy, mind you, I think he's in his 80s, mid to late 80s now. And if you ever met him, I always wondered, like, his knees are massive, just callous, okay? And uh, when I met him, he goes, I'm glad you're here, Jacob. Glad you could join us. And when he met us, he was talking about the Lord. And he, literally, the guy just gets down on his knees and just busting out in hymns. Wow. Uh, he's just praying. I was like, I guess that's what we're doing here. And he's praying out scripture. I remember him reading it, but I couldn't tell you where it was. But he knew it by heart. And so he's just praying it out. And that's what we did. I mean, he'd invite me over to his house and he'd pray. And I, I would ask him, you know, you and your wife, like, how does it in your marriage? What does it look like? And he goes, well, you know, he doesn't have kids at this point anymore in the, in the home. And he goes, well, you know, Saturday morning, my wife likes to play the piano. I like to sing. So we, uh, we roll out a mat. We have a mat of all this, all the, all the countries where we know missionaries and people in different countries want to pray for. So we pray for those and the people by name. And we pray for all the elders of the church by name. Um, and he includes pastors and, and those elders. And then we pray for all of our children by name and all of our grandchildren, great-grandchildren by name. And then we just, you know, we're just worshiping the Lord. And I thought, you know, that's a lot of people to pray for by name. What, what is it, you know, how long does it take? He's like, oh, we just wake up early and take five, six hours and just do this. And I mean, wow, he just, that's just what they do. And that's then, awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, that doesn't come overnight. I mean, to, to sit and pray for an hour is work, you know, mm -hmm. for a lot of people, even 20 minutes to be quiet and, and pray. And so I think um, 
that was very influential just in you got to be disciplined now to be disciplined later and what does that look like in your life and he also so he owned a uh, a bunch of businesses around the midwest and um he would tell me stories about these guys and he said when you own the business now you now you make the rules and so he, when guys would come in he would just sometimes point blank ask them do you know jesus where are you at with the lord wow and you know and a lot of them were like i don't want anything to do with that and he's like all right you know no problem but sometimes he could tell when they're in distress or whatnot and he would literally just pray for them he made it a point of you know he's like this is my ministry this is where the lord placed me these are the people he placed charge over one of the big scriptures i should mention too um mr dillinger put me on to it but i think um bruce would adhere to it as well it's more for people that come under like if you're discipling but it's hebrews 13 17 it says mm -hmm. pray for your leaders because they keep watch over your soul as one that needs to give an account and you're giving account to the lord so the reason these guys would call me up, pray for me, um, and even in the context of their business to an extent, do that with the, the people there, their employees, is because the Lord has put you in charge over them. Now, it might just be for their financial gain, in a sense, or business hmm. acumen, but if they do know the Lord, he could have placed you there to try to help keep watch over the soul. And, and you might be the only one in their life that has the opportunity to share Christ with them. And what are you doing? To, how are you stewarding? All right. All right, we're back. <laughs> a little commercial break. <laughs> what in the world happened there? I have no idea. So I, I spent, all right, I, I spent in the last one, two, three, I got four different devices in this house to ensure a solid internet connection. And then all of a sudden, poof, there it goes. Um, your message is that important and powerful. Somebody's trying to stop it. <laughs> But I was just thinking, was like we're talking about all this prayer, we should have, we should have opened in prayer. We should have. I need to start doing that, man, for sure. This is this is so. This is where we are. We talked about sometimes. I, I'm just you know, let's roll with it, see where it goes. I mean, start off on the right foot, you know, open in prayer from now on. So you were talking about Hebrews thirteen seventeen. You started to touch on that. You might be the only person, and then we had a. Um, I'd say a break for our sponsors, but we don't have any sponsors yet. So we'll, there. we'll see what it looks like. Uh, yeah, so so Hebrew, Hebrews 13, 17, it says, pray for your leaders because they keep watch over your soul as one that has to give an account. And so when you, whether you're um, profit, nonprofit, it doesn't matter. You know, when, when you are, um, it works more, it, that particular scripture applies to elders for the most part. But I think because you and I are priests, the scripture tells us that we're priests, part of the royal priesthood. Now it applies to us too. So anybody that you are discipling, your children, for example, um, you, the Lord gives you an opportunity to watch over their soul and their soul uh, is going to go one of two places when they die. And so 
when you own a business or you're in business, you might be the only light in some people's lives. And so you have to, you have to be willing to step out at some point. And, you know, um, I think it was Augustine that was talking about uh, something about, you know, your words make your actions speak louder than words. And that's kind of your light. That's great. Um, but you actually have to at some point speak. Romans, Romans actually tells us that, that, you know, how can they hear unless somebody speaks to them? So somebody, at some point you have to say something. You can't just do it through action. And so when you are, when you have employees, I think opportunities to witness to them, you know, you have to be bold in your face sometimes. It can rock boats. I've been in a situation where literally the, I've had um, the owner of a company when I was working for him tell me, do not, do not discuss that here. Don't say that. I don't want to hear anything about Christ. I don't want to hear anything about religion, church, whatever. Okay. You know, I can submit to that and not say it, but you, but apart, you know, if you're not getting that thing and it's kind of more open and you're having discussions, you know, um, go for it. Now you have to kind of, it depends where you're working and what the rules are. Um, but for the most part, yeah, the Lord opens up these opportunities. Anybody you're discipling, you want to be praying for them, your children and coworkers, employees, you know? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. very, very powerful, very impactful. And I'm guessing, you know, with your, your family, we hadn't talked about children on that, given that you're married, though. I, I'm assuming you and your wife have a very strong bond and, and connection and bond as far as faith is concerned. How do you you do things like pray together, um, you know, do family devotional time. I mean, obviously it's, it's evident the impact on your faith and your life, Jesus Christ's role in your life, these people that brought you to him and back him back to you. How, how does that kind of work in, within your family structure? Yeah, definitely. So I think family structures are changing, you know, your kids are changing, different kids respond differently. I'm learning. And so it's different for everybody. So you got to kind of set, there's not a one size fits all. I think you need to just make the time for it. So we try to be intentional in the morning about praying before I go to work and praying for the day. And then um, at night time as well, we try to pray, you know, around a meal and talk about, I, I let my, you know, we have our daughter sit with us at the dinner table and we try to have this, my daughter's three, Evie, and my, my um, son is six weeks old. And so he's, you know, he can listen anyways, but I don't think he gets it. But we, we discuss, you know, with my daughter, what's, what was good about the day? And then try to relate it back to the Lord a little bit. Like, oh, isn't that cool? Like Jesus made a good day. So you go out on the slide and you met a new friend. And um, we, we will do uh, some worship. So not every night, but um, some of the nights we're trying to incorporate it more. So we bought a, I bought a really cheap guitar. I'm not very, I'm not very good. We bought a cheap xylophone thing and some, bells for my daughter and none of us are musically inclined but we're trying i mean i don't think the lord cares so you know we're just out there and we just bang my daughter bangs away and we try to sing mainly like little little kid songs sure and um and then at night you know we'll try to pray with her when we put her down my daughter my wife or i will put her down for bed and we will pray with her okay. and uh and it was cool actually the other morning because i woke up and that's what I heard, actually, is um, my daughter was, I woke up to my daughter singing Jesus Loves Me on the monitor. That's awesome. It was that actually so uh, awesome. It, I was up like a flash and I just sat there and held that thing and watched it. It was, it was actually a huge blessing. It's very cool to see. 
Very, very cool. I, I love that. I love that. So um, I, I want to kind of flip into a different things. Obviously, I mean, we could probably go for a long, long time and we'll have to, we'll have to do a part two on this. I, maybe we'll see where, we'll see where we go on this one here. I want to, I want to go into your, your business history, you know, looking at your profile, you, you've had a couple of key positions. You've had some time at some places, some shorter times at other places for whatever that means. Um, you played a role as a CEO of the company at one point. What was that like? Like, how did you come into that role and what was that like and what ended it? Yeah, so I had connected with a guy when I was at Calvary Church. I was transitioning out of, I just thought the Lord was pushing me to use business um, opportunities for him as opposed to working in the church. And that would be another, that'd be a whole other discussion of where that came from. But there's a gentleman I connected with uh, in, in Michigan and they had bought up um, some investors, an 8,000 acre farm in Zambia, and two, two, there was another connection with two 2,000 acre farms in Zimbabwe. And so I took a position as a CEO and it was on a large, it was a four, so this is a for-profit company. And what we were doing was primarily layers, chickens that just lay eggs, broilers, which is the meat chicken, um, dairy, which is cows, obviously, and then cropping. So the cropping is just a whole plethora of, of different things that we were doing. And so the kicker was, though, part of it, um, we would train individuals on a two-year process to run their own business, to be an entrepreneur. So half the day, they would actually be working with the chickens, the, the um, broilers and the layers and the dairy, and then they do cropping. The other half, we would teach them entrepreneurship and uh, arithmetic, English, if they didn't know English, because English is the language of business everywhere. Um, and then we would also teach the scriptures. So there's a discipleship class. And that was the big thing. And um, yeah, we loved it. We would have, we were intentional about having people over every week to our house to have dinner with us. Um, we would try to disciple some of the people there. I got connected with a couple other people. So we were doing um, church planting. I had a these all these guys could speak the language i couldn't speak the language so i had an interpreter one of the guys wives and they let me come do some church plants with them um i got to preach one of the times and there's a couple translators because a lot of different dialects so that was awesome um but yeah it was just uh you're doing you're doing a business but you're also uh, having opportunity to to witness with all of these we had a couple hundred people that were apprentices and then you got 30 some odd managers and um, lots of chickens, uh, lots wow. of crops. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. And, and, and I'm guessing that as you've gone through your business career, these decisions have been ultimately guided, probably driven through prayer, asking for, you know, guidance and what to do next, if you feel like, or there's just been a key elements that have, you know, the Lord has spoken to you and say this is this is what you need to do this is no longer your path you need to kind of step over here tell us about a time where you you might have had an opportunity to do something that might have put you in a different maybe a much better financial position but it didn't line up with your values have you experienced something like that in your life um yeah there i'm not going to name names but there was a couple uh opportunities that arose and um while it would have been very lucrative, I the minister the the business that they're engaged in and and I always depending on what job you're applying for, it's always good to look at the financials and see how they're doing stuff and and um, 
you know, I don't mind working for somebody that's not a Christian. That's not a problem. But they might have a different work ethic and they might have different worldviews. And so you got to be aware of, you know, hey, man, I'm not going to cut corners here and I'm going to sell what's what what needs to be sold correctly. Um, so some of those things where it would have been lucrative, I think, stepping away and knowing to step away. It's nice to have go if you have mentors uh, that are, you know, have walked with the Lord longer than you've been alive. Those are the type of guys you want to bring this stuff to. Say, does this look right? Does this sound right? Do these numbers look good? Um, and then have somebody that's actually praying for you as well. In my case, I was actually, when I went to Uganda, I was alone. So I, it was just me telling my wife, hey, we're going to sell our house. We're going to sell all of our material possessions and we're going to move to Zimbabwe. That's a different thing. So you got to make sure that she's hearing from the Lord and she's on board. Otherwise that will not go well. Um, no, that's, that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a big so, leap of faith. Yep. Yeah. But I do think um, money is not everything. And if you believe the Lord is sovereign, he can build your wealth uh, in the midst of anything else. And he might just be using you. You have to remember when he puts you in a position, um, it might not just be for you to make a salary and to work there. You could be gaining certain skills that he wants you to use in the future. And it could just be to be a witness to somebody there. And then he's got you, you know, moving on. So when people jump for money, um, yeah, it's that's not always the best decision. You know, uh, money is not. It can it can lead you astray, and and mm -hmm. you can't. There's one of two masters you're going to worship, but you're going to be a lord or money. Yeah. So yep. who's in charge of your life? Yeah. yeah, we we've we've. I feel like a lot of us have experienced things like that in the past, where we've maybe done something with the intention like hey the grass looks greener over here you know it means more money but what what are you you know what are you giving is that really the best option for you your family your future kind of a thing so uh, kind of a two-parter question then as far as the biggest failure you've had in the last 12 months and then follow up with the biggest success that you've had in the last 12 months what what do you feel that those are and, and you know what have you done to kind of work within those um so do you want it from like a business perspective or like a faith or anything? Uh, let's just double it up, business and faith. I mean, I guess, you know, we look at it. Like what's affected you negatively the most outside of, you know, our global pandemic that hit everybody? You know, what, what kind of things have affected you negatively the most and then hit you positively the most? How about that? So I would say in the past year, when we moved back from Zambia, I would say um, my faith grew immensely over there. Just it was incredible. We're praying all the time. And, and my wife and I were closer than we'd ever been. And we're reading the scriptures every single day and praying together. And, um, you know, it really grew. And then when we came back, I think uh, maybe I had tied some of my identity to my work or being employed for that work. And I will say that I got a bit depressed, got angry. I was angry with God probably for the majority of the year last year. Um, to the point where I was like, I don't even... You know, um, thankfully, there's a local church that provided counseling for my wife and I, because I was like in a place where I didn't want to really pray. I didn't want to read the scriptures. I was like, mm. he's not, he's kind of like left us out to dry or left me out to dry. How am I supposed to provide? My wife and I were fighting a lot, um, probably from my end because I wasn't being attentive uh, to her needs. Um, and anyways, uh, that was a big, probably a big failure, how I handled that. And I tell you this because our marriage verse was Habakkuk 3, um, 17 and 18. And it says, though the fig tree should not blossom, 
the produce of the olive fail, the flock be cut off from the, uh, the fold, and there be no cattle in the stall. The fields yield no fruit, yet I will continue to praise the Lord, the God of my salvation. And that was our marriage verse. And it's all of these negative things that provide basically material wealth and life, uh, you know, food and whatnot. And, and um, the end part of that, you know, continuing to praise the Lord, the God of my salvation, my wife kept reminding me of that, those scriptures and that what we were, you know, hey, we prayed this and it was prayed over us the day that we were married. And, um, and I just kind of let it go to the wayside. I was like, this is about me. Um, you don't understand, uh, you know, and didn't want to hear anything about it. No one could tell me otherwise. It was very stubborn and probably very bitter. And pride is mixed in there like crazy. So you got that issue. Um, so a lot of, it's a, it's a big one for men. A lot of times faith or no yeah. faith. Pride is always a big one. Pride, ego. Yeah. Yeah. It's my way or the highway and the Lord can't do this. I got to do it. I got to accomplish this. He's not doing anything. I got to, I got to put all the energy in here. Um, and it causes issues in the context of work. Uh, so, you know, I didn't want to really talk to people about the Lord where I was working. Um, got back into doing some consulting work for OSHA, my OSHA Federal Trade Commission as it pertained to the dental industry. And, um, and it was very difficult. And then what helped me through it was there was a, uh, we're at New Heart Church. It's a small church plant in Grand Rapids. And that pastor, we, we started meeting regularly at night, just hanging out together because I moved down the road from him. And um, he, he uh, a lot, we're actually renting his old house. And so we started talking a ton and he just really encouraged me to start reading the scriptures again. And I did, and it kind of pulled me out of that rut when I started reading and he's since given me other tasks to kind of direct me back to the Lord, which has been very beneficial. Um, so that's been a big blessing. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So as um, I guess kind of get looking at, you know, some of the things that we've talked about, we've covered a lot here. Obviously, faith is a huge, huge part of, of your life. You talked about a lot of different things. You mentioned a lot of different avenues, a lot of resources, a lot of individuals, a lot of organizations and things. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I wonder from your perspective here, Jacob, is if you could step into my shoes, ask yourself a question you think I'd want to know, or our listeners and viewers would want to know, I haven't touched on yet. What would you ask yourself? Maybe what's an answer on your mind that I haven't asked a question to pull that answer yet? You know, as I've thought about this before and read through some of your questions, the biggest one, I guess, for me, and this, this came up quite a bit, because when I was working at Calvary about two years before, it was a two-year process before I moved out of that. And the biggest question kept coming up and I kept doing it at every, every guy that I met with. And then it was personally convicting. And the question was this, I asked a couple of questions. I would get a group of guys together or individually and I would have them get a piece of paper. And I would, I'd say, hey, look, do me a favor. Just write your name down on it. Uh, write down um, where you're currently, are you attending church? Okay, great. Write down where you're attending and how many years you've been there or your previous church, how many years you've been there? How many years have you been a Christian? Go ahead and just jot that down, the number of years that you've been a Christian. Okay. And then, uh, and then I would say, you know, um, First John talks about if you believe in Christ, you're going to keep his commandments. Now, that's a whole ball of worms or whatever uh, to get into. 
So I would kind of explain that. But, but the basic thing I would get to is Matthew 28. I said, look, Jesus says to us, uh, go forth and make disciples. That's a commandment to you and me as men or women. Um, but ultimately, we're to make disciples. And I said, so take a look at all your sheet of the numbers you've been, years you've been a Christian, how long you've been attending this church. And then do me one more thing. Just write down how many disciples of Christ have I made. And, and it's interesting going around. And I typically wouldn't collect it. Um, if it was one-on-one, because I don't want to embarrass people. But if it was one-on-one, I would, I would have that discussion. But in a group, typically, I wouldn't make them go around and do that. And I'd say, you know, this is a big, this is a big deal for the Lord. You know, this is his, on his way out. This is like the last thing that he's telling these guys to do and you and I to do. So don't you think it's important? And um, if the Lord, you know, Jeff came, if Jesus was in that room with you right now and he said, Hey, I don't want you ever to drink coffee again. He'd be like, I don't understand why he doesn't want me to drink coffee again, but he, I guess he's telling me to do it. So I'm not going to, I'm not, I won't drink it anymore. So if he tells you, right. hey, go make, go make disciples. Why don't you do that? And I, and I kept thinking about that. And in the church, obviously, there's a greater opportunity because people that come expecting it. But in the business world, um, I thought, man, there's just great opportunity there, you know, for this, uh, to shed light. And hopefully, if you're, if you're doing it, you know, it's one thing to be a pastor and do it in the church because people are like, oh, you're a pastor, you know, that's your job, that's what you do, you do it in the church. But if I'm working in a business, and I say, this is what I'm doing. This is what the Lord's directed me to do. And he's actually directed you to do it, too. Second, uh, First Corinthians 6 talks about being ambassadors for Christ. It's actually, you're supposed to be an ambassador for him. It's your job. It's part of your job. Mm-hmm. So I have a job here. I got another job that he's given me. But I figured, hey, if I'm doing it here, the other guys that I connect with then, maybe they would be encouraged to do that as well. And so that was one of the things that pushed me in this direction, I think, that the Lord prompted me to. Yeah. I honestly couldn't tell you specifically why, if you said, uh, you know, why haven't, you know, stop drinking coffee, sure, no problem. I'll go out and make disciples. Why aren't you? I mean, as, 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 as a man, I'm going to take it back to ego pride. And a lot of times we just, we care too much about how other people view us and what they're going to think of us when we do things, say things and act a certain way. And that's been a struggle for me. Unlike, it was similar to yourself. At, at one point you were a, I, I like the term baby Christian, you know, we've been alive forever. Who knows how many years on this planet, whether it's 15, 55, 35, whatever. Um, when you, you make that commitment to the Lord, whether for you, it's an act of baptism, an act of whatever that looks like, whatever process you go through um, from that moment forward, you have a new life. And um, we have, we have this, this ego that we're holding on to this, 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 um, pride, whatever you want to call it, that we're holding on to before we had a life in Christ, before we looked forward and moved forward in that and say, what about, you know, our old friends, how are they going to react? Our, our old coworkers, you know, they're going to see us, they're going to see a flip, that switch is flipped. Man, Jacob is different. Jeff is different. So-and-so is different. Um, I don't want to hang out with them anymore. And, and we have that, that potential fear of loneliness of like, now we've just lost our people But the way. And it's just been a struggle for me over the last couple of years as I'm baby Christian as well, three ish years ago. What, what is more important is losing friends, you know, that I've had before that uh, aligned with the old Jeff or, you know, finding new friends, new family, new people to spend time with that values are aligned with who I am now and serving the Lord 
You know, and we have to ask ourselves that question and we don't always like that answer. And that's what keeps us from openly preaching, if you will. Hmm. So in making disciples, especially for men, is a big, big thing. And it's a matter yeah. of acceptance by other men too, is a big thing of it. So it's, it's all into that. So that's a, that's a heck of an answer, man. And a heck of a, I wrote down, you know, how many years you've been a Christian? Um, how many years, you know, how, how old are you? Just a year three questions there. I'm going to go back through and rewrite this down. I'll post them too on the notes and how many disciples have you made? And there's a lot of scripture notes in here as well. So where can, we talked about a lot of different people. I'm curious to know if you still stay in touch with steady Eddie, man, are you still, you still, keep in touch with your dancing friend we have them yeah we have them on facebook there's a couple other people that we keep uh in contact with over there and nice yeah, yeah. very cool so in, in the grand scheme of things is people want to reach out to you connect with you be connected with you learn from you partner with you whatever it is how do people find you how do they reach out to you what's the best avenue for you for your ministry for the the resources and the organizations that you've brought up like what's the best way to get in touch with you um i guess if they want to call me that's fine i can give you my cell phone number and then um, it's 616-432-8417. That's my cell phone. And then uh, I guess if you want to email me, it's Jacob, J-A-K-O-B, period, the letter P, period, Jackson, at gmail.com. And, yeah, we'd love to, anytime people want to nice. meet up or talk or grab lunch, you know. Are, are, you, on, are you on social media? Um, yeah, my wife and I have a Facebook account. It's uh, Jacob and Kate Jackson. It's all one word. Okay. I think, or we're the same name, yeah. Or the same Jacob Jackson. Yeah. So it's J A K O B and then A N D K A T E? Yeah. Cool. Cool. We'll, we'll put the links in here too. So anybody who wants to reach out, you know, don't hesitate on that. And I suspect I know or have a hint of an idea of what your answer to this next one will be is what do you feel like your purpose on this, this earth is? Um, yeah, so I do feel that my purpose is to serve the Lord and then get past it that he wants. And, and currently, I think it's primarily through uh, my family and the church body that we're part of, immediate family and church family, and then uh, making, I think a huge part of it is, is making disciples. Awesome. A lot of great information on here. I really, truly value and appreciate the time that you've put into this and you've, uh, you're have you willing to take with me here today. I really appreciate it. And um, I want to thank you again for opening up and, and giving us, you know, candid answers and, and uh, describing these things. And we hope to make an impact on people on this. So I really do appreciate your time, Jacob. Um, any final words? Um. Thanks for having me on. Loved it. It was fantastic. Good talk. Very good. Thank you so very much. The same. Absolutely appreciate it. So thanks again for being on with us. Uh, we're glad that you're you're able to watch, listen, and digest the information again. And don't hesitate to reach out to Jacob. He's made it made himself available to you. And uh, if you're feeling a little hesitant, you're feeling a little nervous about it, just take the leap. Send him a text. Send him a call. Hit him up. You know, through email and find him on Facebook. We'll talk to you soon. All right, my friends. Yeah. All right. Take care.